Thank you very much for joining us, Warren. It's very kind of you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. You're very sweet. Thank you. If you don't mind, could you give um, people that are listening an introduction to your background and how you entered the entertainment industry? And then maybe you could tell us a little about uh, Producer Capital Fund and why you decided to launch that company. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I've been in the business for uh, almost 15 years. I moved to Los Angeles to be an actor and had um, some business and marketing experience under my belt when I went to Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, I did not uh, wait tables. Um, I got a job uh, at a post-production facility and was hired on um, as director of marketing uh, in sales for this company in Hollywood. And it gave me the opportunity to learn um, the film business, which I, you know, didn't really have much or any experience um, in the business of, of film. Um, but this gave me an entree into the business and, and gave me the, the opportunity to learn it in a sense backwards from post-production. Um, and from, from there, uh, I grouped up with some friends and we started, you know, making short films and, um, which led to, to feature films. Um, but, um, you know, working in the post-production facility gave me a really strong back background and, and backbone in, in the business that I do now. So, so since, since then, you know, I started making movies, um, was meeting directors in the post-production facility that were in, in the facility to finish their films, but I was just getting the chance to meet a lot of directors and, um, started working with a few different directors. Um, I think they, they got a sense of my business and my, my skill set. And, and one particular director asked me to, to come on to his next picture, um, and help him produce. So that was kind of, my my entree uh, into into film and um, which led me to to become a UPM in the Directors Guild um, and I you know became a professional in in physical production and then which led me to to learn the the film finance side which is obviously uh, you know an important aspect if you want to make movies. It seems like a lot of people who are very successful in running capital funds tend to be people of a very strong background in uh, as a UPM and or um, a very strong background working as a post-production supervisor because they sort of understand the process from soup to nuts of getting something, you know, from a page onto a screen and then out to audiences, which is, you know, there's a whole, <laughs> it's a, it's a, <laughs> there's quite a lot of steps in that process. So there are, there are. Exactly. Um, can you talk a little about when you launched the producer capital fund, can you talk a little about um, sort of why you decided to start it and then what the um, capital fund does now? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I learned the business of film finance by making movies and, and, you know, learning what to do, what not to do. Um, and there, you know, there's generally three different components uh, in, in a film finance structure. And that's, typically starts with equity um, and then there's an opportunity to um, to create collateral through pre-sales um, which will allow you to take on debt um, against that collateral um, and then you know like most independent movies and studio movies they're taking advantage of tax credits and going to a state where there's incentives um, to go to that state and, and produce a movie um, and you know, there's an opportunity again to to lend against those tax credits to to give the filmmaker the necessary capital to be able to to make their movie in advance of creating that that credit or receiving that credit from the state. Mm -hmm. um, 
so producer capital fund was created specifically to help filmmakers, you know, complete their financing after they found the most difficult part, which is the equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so producer capital fund is purely um, really a, in layman terms, it's a lender in the film business and providing loans against pre-sales mm-hmm. um, and tax credits. So you you're basically sort of content agnostic, you know, within basically you'll you'll lend against any film that can actually get um, a state to say that they're going to give a particular particular production tax credits or incentives for um, yeah or, yeah, or yeah I mean for, for yeah for the for the most part we want to make sure that um, you know the the team that's producing the picture um, has experience. Um, it's not their first rodeo per se. Um, and they understand, you know, what is required when delivering a movie. Um, we like to see bonds. Um, mm-hmm. They're not necessarily required. Um, there's other things we'll put in place um, to protect the, the, the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is not a bond and mm-hmm. typically it starts with the accountant and the line producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, you know, and, and I don't know how much we should get into it right now, but we, we would typically cash flow in tranches, um, generally three three different tranches. As, as the production spends, we'll cash flow um, monies, you know, secured against the tax credit that they're creating. You're answering exactly the questions that um, um, I wanted uh, to make sure that we went through. So I have sort of... Um, set of steps that I tell people they should basically go through when they're, when they're um, developing and packaging a project. Because in my experience, what's, what happens is people have a very nebulous idea of development and packaging, and so they don't know what they should be spending their time or, or money on. So they do things like um, they go and they shoot um, a film with no budget, and then they think, you know, it has no budget, and it, the quality control is not good, and there's all kinds of... Um, problems with the intellectual property in terms of not having the right releases or whatever. And then they, they think, well, this is my stepping stone to being able to produce, you know, I'm going to, I can make a million dollars off this film and then I'll go make my next film. And so what I try to do is try to explain the sort of the process by which, you know, you go, like maybe you do film analytics to find out whether or not the film that you're planning to produce is likely to produce, to be worth the price of producing it, you know? So it would it be okay if we sort of swiftly move through that set of steps so you could tell people whether or not that set of steps may, seems to be what you think they should do or whether or not you would make other suggestions? Um, because I think that roadmap makes it a lot easier for people to... Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. Um, so the, the first step I'd usually tell people to do is um, determine the project viability and, and their basic cost of producing a film. So I tell them to acquire a script and then get good coverage from multiple readers. And I use, I personally use, and I have tried a selection, I've used a re, wescreenplay.com because I can get five readers for about 350 bucks. And I like the, the fact that they've got this whole platform that does statistical analysis on their, their, their reader feedback. So that if you have, um, a like every so often you get kind of crazy readers that score everything hard or say everything's wonderful. And this, their back, their black end platform makes that not happen. And also they provide a bio on each reader, which, because I'm a producer and I'm going to include a lot of times the, the coverage with the script, I think it's nice to have a bio of who said what. <laughs> so I do, right. right? 
So I acquire the script, get good coverage from multiple readers, then run film analytics for the, for the film, like using a company like thenumbers.com or film, the, the, there's a million companies that do film analytics. And just so you have a sense then that whether or not a film is going to be something that's likely to make um, $10 million in distribution or $1 million or $2 million in distribution, because that gives you a sense for how big the budget can possibly be. Then engage a UPM to do a budget in a day of days, so you can actually say, day out of days, so you can actually um, see if the budget and the film forecast match up. Then a casting, then attach a casting director, attach a sales rep or producers rep, <laughs> or if you can do without them. But if you feel comfortable approaching approaching distributors to see whether or not you can find somebody who's willing to give you a minimum guarantee based upon the UPM and the and the the genre and the cast that you think you want to attach. So do, the, do those sound like the things that you would do if you were developing um, a project to determine its viability in the earliest stages? Yeah, Nancy, I think, I mean, I think that's a great way to do it. I think there are, um, there's no, you know, one way to skin the cat. And, mm -hmm. and, and in film, if it was easy as, you know, plugging in analytics mm -hmm. and figuring out how to make money in this business, I would be doing it all day long. I. <laughs> it's um yeah it's 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 such a moving target unfortunately mm -hmm. that um there's so many unknowns mm -hmm. um but i think you know getting coverage is very important mm -hmm. i think speaking to as many sales agents uh as you can um typically you know starting with international sales agents mm -hmm. um if it's a script you like and um assuming you're uh, you know producing an english language movie mm -hmm. um getting getting you know uh, some feedback from an international sales agent i think is very important mm -hmm. i think the, the market um is moving and changing all the time mm -hmm. so the demand is changing and i think you know talking to the people that are closest to the buyers and talking mm -hmm. to the buyers you know the most um frequently is probably your best move because mm -hmm. um, they may surprise you. You may have a, a an award-winning horror film in your hands, and mm -hmm. you know internationally horror is not doing anything right now, and mm -hmm. that may be a huge surprise to you. Um, mm -hmm. So that may you know you may you know change paths and go with a a thriller, or if they say you know family adventures, the, the movies that has a huge demand, then maybe you want to you know go that way. Mm -hmm. I think it's important um, to believe in a project and passions. You know, you know, drives everything, but you can't be too close to a project that you don't see mm -hmm. what other people are here, what other people are telling you. Right. Um, so talking to the, as many people as you can is, is a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Identifying the type of properties that buyers are looking for mm -hmm. is another great idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you do that, getting the best director you mm -hmm. can, um, it helps if the writer's proven it's not necessary. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it helps you. It helps you if the director is proven, not necessary, but it helps you. It makes it easier. Mm -hmm. um, when I say proven, they've made movies before that were well received or, you know, better. They have a film that's has, a, you know, theatrical success under its belt. Mm -hmm. um, not necessary, but it helps. Mm -hmm. um, then once you have those components, you want to go, you know, get the biggest actor you can. And 
that's where talking to a sales agent is going to really help you because you may think, you know, actor A, wow, he's a, he was a major movie star. He, he shows up in everything. Mm-hmm. He definitely has value. Well, he may not have value because even though you have to pay him a million dollars, he may not have mm-hmm. any value. He may, he may not drive much. Um, mm-hmm. He may drive sales in certain territories, but not even come close to recouping his fee. You know, so you have to be very weary of what you think without mm-hmm. talking to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest, you know, the, the market is moving and it's, it's kind of like the stock market. It's changing all the time and mm-hmm. you just don't know. So you have to hedge your bets and mm-hmm. um, getting, getting the hottest actor, the biggest actor is really a, a you typically a very good play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't guarantee success, but it hedges um, the risk. Right. Well, and I think one of the reasons that I recommend that people get um, get film analytics is because it's something you can spend 500 bucks on or, or um, $1,500 on if you're really getting excited. And then if you're like, I, I usually work with um, Bruce Nash at the numbers. And one of the things that he does, which is interesting, is that he actually provides you with a list of distributors and you can actually ask him. Um, you can actually ask him you know, based on the last year in your particular genre, who were the, who were the actors that were featured? And you can correlate that with the film in, for the, for the kinds of films that you're doing. And it's not a, rep- sure. it's not a replacement by any means for, for having, no, I think it's an added value. For right. Sure. And, and the other thing is the fact that you're getting that information given to you. Um, if you're getting that information from a film analytics company that works directly with the major studios and also with the, with the large, um, with the, people that are doing independent film like Bloomhouse and so forth. The fact that you're getting the information from those folks means that you can, when you include it in your package, cause you're talking to investors, at least you can point to something and go to the extent that there's an expert in this industry, these guys seem to be good. And then, and especially from people that are just coming in, getting access to and being able to, to chat with sales agents and producers rep and getting them to run numbers is, um, not the easiest thing. I think after, for your second, third, or fourth film, once you've had a chance to meet those folks, it's easy, but it's really hard that for the, when people are working on their first film, they, they just really have, don't have the access in most cases. I mean, that's my experience is that if you call up, when, when, when you contact, um, if you contact a distributor and you, you say, I've got this director attached, this UPM attached, and, film, and I got film analytics that say this is a pretty hot film, I'd like to send this over to you and get your thoughts. Usually they will take the package, but if I try to contact them before I have those elements, I never have luck with them wanting to take the package because they're like, I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about this project and I don't know why I would waste my time looking at it. But if I have any kind of documentation that indicates that I'm actually producing a rational film, they seem pretty willing to just give me their thoughts. And they may say, you know, my numbers don't agree with yours, in which case I have a heads up that there's a problem, you know, because they do have later information. Right, right. You know, and, and talking to, no, I agree with you and talking to sales agents, you know, and having sales agents cover the script, but also run numbers based on, mm-hmm. you know, um, certain cast, uh, you know, I think is a good move. It gives you an idea mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't want to go make a $10 million movie if the movie is only worth $2 million in the foreign market. That's, right. that's just not going to work. So it's, it's a good exercise. It is. And I also think that it makes it so that your, um, your likelihood of really tanking something really badly 
you know, it really comes down to risk reduction all the way across the board. The reason you have a good director is because he knows how projects are supposed to go. A solid UPM knows how, um, you know, DGA UPM knows how things are supposed to go. They know how much things are supposed to cost. So it's, no one's probably going to die on your set, you know, <laughs> and all of those things translate into a project that's less risk. And um, those things and the film analytics and getting the numbers on from sales reps are in that same genre. You're just trying to make sure that you're in the ballpark of something that can be successful. That's how you, I think that's how you get something like the purge or um, paranormal activities. The very first versions of those movies, they, they were done competently, you know, and so it put them sort of in the right ballpark. So um, the next thing I sort of uh, wanted to ask is when do you, when people are coming to you for um, finance because you're, you're a lender, um, you actually care a great deal about the, uh, the crew um, and talent, the crew, the, the talent in terms of in front of the camera, but you actually care, care a great deal about the, the, uh, key crew as well like do you, do you care who the dp is or do you just figure if somebody's got a good director then the dp is going to the dp and upm are enough to tell you whether or not a project is going to do okay no we're definitely we're we definitely look at you know the the, the department heads and the key components of the film the, the director of photography the production designer you know the first a a a d um we want to know who that is um um, the, you know, the player's responsible for driving the movie and, and delivering, um, you know, a good-looking film. Right. Um, do, do you want people to come to you when they have actually attached those people, or do you want them to come when they've got no. letters, letters of intent, so that if somebody has to be pulled, you can go ahead and have them pull them out? Yeah. Yeah, it's not necessary to have someone, um, have the department heads attached at that stage, um, mm -hmm. you know, outside of the director and, and key producers. Um, line producer. Those are the most important, you know, factors I think for us starting off, but mm -hmm. you know, we're attracted by cast. I mean, you know, I'd be lying if I said we weren't interested in um, the projects and, and being um, involved in projects that have a chance mm -hmm. um, that are star driven, um, that are good scripts. Mm -hmm. um, do you, when you, when you say cast, do you think it makes sense? We, you, one of the people that you haven't mentioned mentioned in this conversation is casting uh, a, a casting director. And I think, um, you can attach a casting director often for 2000 to let's call it 2000 to $3,500 in order to give you lists of names that you take to the distributor. And I've heard it said, um, actually, I, <laughs> Bruce Nash from the numbers said, you know, there's a couple of, um, cause they do analytics on all, not just on the, the, on the films and how they perform in the production companies and how they perform, but actually on every sort of individual on a project, like they can sort of tell you the great UPMs, if, you know, for any particular genre. But one of the things he does is he says, I'm surprised at how often you'll see the same casting directors coming up on the, on the sort of the little shows that go big. He says, and I think it's because of the casting directors somehow, those casting directors somehow have a talent for getting the right people into the right show. So um, do you think it makes sense to bring a casting director on board or do you think that your, the sales reps and producers <clears throat> reps have a better feel for who's selling and who's not? No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if you can attach a, a quality casting director mm -hmm. um, onto your project, it's only going to help you. Really? It's only going to help you. I think it's, it's added value, um, especially if you, if you don't have personal relationships with, the agents or with particular talent, 
it's a great way to legitimize your property or your project and get access and get exposure. Um, I think I, I've, you know, typically it's going to cost more than 3,500 bucks. If you're going to go for a, a casting director that delivers, you know, top tier talent, um, I, I think yeah, you I should think be pre top, prepared. I don't think it would be top tier talent. Yeah. Most of the people that I should mention that because I didn't tell you this at the beginning. Most of the people in, in, that have come to my events are usually doing their first or second real film and they're sort of doing one to $10 million films. So they're not probably going right. to then, then Yeah. Then you can, you can make that happen with, with 3,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great, it's, 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 you know, it's money well spent. Very cool. And then, and, and that does make it, make it so that when you see the project, you go, okay, I have faith that these people have. It's, uh, it, it looks, it looks more real. Right. And and I mm -hmm. think the casting director will do a breakdown and mm -hmm. use breakdown services and release it to the industry. And mm -hmm. it's a great way to get, to get interest from different agents and agencies. Um, you know, um, it's, it's a great way to solicit that. Very cool. And then, um, so I guess the next question I have is in terms of corporate structure, you, you want every single film to be a, its own, um, in a, its own single purpose entity, its own, uh, C corp, right. Or um, typically an LLC. Okay. You put it into an LLC and then mm -hmm. do you, um, you, the equity investors have come on with, um, a private placement memorandum and they've signed the subscription agreement. You want to see all of those docs as well to make sure that, that the, the legal stuff is in order and it indicates that you'll be recouping when and when, you know, when in the process. Cor cor correct. We, we, we definitely, re we require um, a CAMA, a collection account management agreement, which is serviced by a third party, typically a company called Freeway uh, or a company called Vintage House. Um, basically just, this is a way to, have a collective um, agreement that all parties are, are privy to, uh, including if it's a, if it's a DGA and if it's a, you know, obviously it's a SAG movie, mm -hmm. um, they are party to the agreement so that, you know, a residual reserve is set aside from, mm -hmm. from the top. The CAMA takes a minimal service fee. Um, your sales agent will be tied into that and it'll define the sales agent's terms, um, mm -hmm. whether they're taking 10%, in the international market and they're you know defining their market costs um and then the debt will be recouped after that mm -hmm. um so there'll be payment directives you know for any pre-sales to the debt typically mm -hmm. um and then the equity and, and anyone else who owns the movie so everybody that's involved in the picture from an ownership perspective would be defined in that large you know 80 page agreement but mm -hmm. we require that and that's very typical um you know when you're making movies for the international marketplace that makes total sense so so um and usually the debt people get their money get their money um paid back first because they don't have the kind of tremendous up upside that an equity investor might have so if if the the movie purge for example had gotten um had debt financing for to monetize uh, minimum guarantees or to monetize um, incentives and rebates, then the people that gave them that upfront money based upon that probably got paid out before uh, probably. Correct. Um, like they got paid out. They didn't get paid out their money before the distributor because the distributor takes the money and they may not have gotten it before the sales agent, but they probably did get the, get it before any equity money got paid out to the producers or to the, to the, um, for the producers um, and the uh, uh, equity investors. So 
I, I, I'm just, I think a lot of times people don't realize when people get their money back, right? People don't realize that debt usually gets paid before equity as a rule. Yeah, that, that's right. So if the movie does $100 million at the box office, the debt you know, typically does not um, participate in that, that windfall. It, it gets its money back plus a finance fee that's been pre-agreed um, upon. Um, if it's a tax credit loan, mm-hmm. you know, the tax credit typically falls outside of the CAMA, the collection account we were previously discussing in the international market, mm-hmm. because we'll just have an assignment of rights where when that tax credit comes in, the producer of the production just passes it over to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, so we take out, we carve out that, that piece of financing and mm-hmm. you know, typically can get paid back faster than we would on a senior debt piece that was secured against uh, pre-sales. Very cool. That's very, very interesting. Um, so, um, and you obviously you need to see if, if somebody's got a minimum guarantee, if they want it monetized through you, then they have to provide that information. But you, do you also want to see minimum guarantees, even if you're not being asked to monetize them? Like, in other words, if you see if the, if the film has comes to you and it's got any distribution in place, then that's important to you. As we well. want to, see, yeah, we want to see those agreements, which, you know, typically we'll do it through a Dropbox and it's very easy and the producers will have everything organized and mm-hmm. they'll have their equity, you know, um, financing in a folder. They'll have all their, their minimum guarantees or, you know, their domestic international commitments that they have. If they have any dom- a domestic deal, they'll have that in the folder. Mm-hmm. They'll have a budget, a schedule, one-liner day-to-day, as you talked about. Um, the cam won't be set up at that time. We'll set that up mutually when, you know, later in the game, when the deal's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's a if there's a, a writer director agreement or any actor agreements in place, we want to see those. If there's you know, we, we want to see the whole package. Whatever your package is, we want to see it if we're going to entertain it. Very cool. If that so, makes sense. So yeah. what, just out of curiosity, what size films do you usually um, have approaching you? Like uh, our film, our folks are usually doing um, 1 million to um, uh, 10 million. I think, you know, 5 million. <laughs> I would say 3 to three mm-hmm. to 5 million is pretty common. Um, is Absolutely. That you know, yeah, I, I, I've personally made movies. So, you know, I, I'm a producer that makes movies mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, goes on, on location and oversees the film, manages the film. I do that work. And then on the flip side, I work as an executive producer where I may just fly in for a few days and visit the set. Mm-hmm. So there's, there are two different worlds and two different lives that I'm living, right? So from a, from a physical production standpoint, I've done movies from $150,000 to $30 million and yeah. everything kind of in between. Mm-hmm. Now from a EP, we've been focused, producer capital fund has been focused on, you know, movies that are one, I'd say 1.5 to $12 million. Mm-hmm. So if you had a $3 million tax credit on that $12 million film, that's mm-hmm. kind of like, that's kind of, that's a big deal for us. We can do that deal, but that's kind of at the, the, the outer edge. Um, a lot of the deals we do, mm-hmm. you know, ideally we do the tax credit. We want that piece of business, mm-hmm. but then we'll do a combo deal where, you know, it's a tax credit, tax credit and a senior loan. Mm-hmm. And the senior loan, you know, is collateralized against pre-sales. We don't like to do deals where a producer comes to us and says, I've got this awesome, awesome movie. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He's got these stars, these names in it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, here's our sales agent and here are our sales agents estimates. Yeah. I and I hear a lot of times, Oh, we don't want to do any pre-sales because we don't want to short fall. You know, we don't want to, you know, short the value of the movie. Well, that's not, that's not smart. Mm-hmm. You want to do some pre-sales so you can test the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you'll get a lender that way to help you, you know, complete your budget, mm-hmm. but you want to test the waters. You want to make sure the sales agent is hitting their numbers. They're going to give mm-hmm. you sales estimates. And for everyone that had everyone that on the phone call that hasn't seen them, they're going to be asks and ask column. That's the high number. That's what we want. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's takes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like what we're willing to take. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that we're, we're hitting those, takes we want to see if they can hit an ask we want to see if we're in the middle in the mids we want to know mm-hmm. you know um it doesn't help just to create sales estimates that aren't right that aren't correct and, um, or accurate or in the ballpark right um so we will not do a deal that um the producer says well you know we just don't want to sell any territories right now because the movie's too valuable well that's i, I think that's nonsense Right. And I think so, too. I think it's kind of like, yeah, well, if it's that valuable, then you can go ahead and sell the territory. I mean, it's like, just yeah, like, yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> or, you, or use your own money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, one of the beginner, beginner mistakes, I think, is one of the ones you just talked about is when people think that for, they take sales agents and sales. I, I work, I should, like you and I have a background in sales and marketing. And I love salesmen because they are like, they're like the easiest people to sell things to. They're really just open-minded people, I find. <laughs> but the problem is mm-hmm. that they also, and they also tend to be the kind of people who think very highly of themselves and they've had success in the past. They're kind of indomitable. So they're, I find that they tend to be very optimistic people. So when I, it really is until you actually get them to actually sell something and you get the money, but the asks back or the, you get, you get to see what they come in with it. You know, you've got an actual deal. So trusting sales agent numbers is always, I think, a little on the dodgy side, which is one of the reasons I've, I recommend they do the the, the film analytics because analytics people are not the least bit optimistic about anything. <laughs> so right. I, it's like, who can you find who's really grim? Because they'll be good. Um, do you have any other um, mistakes that, uh, that you think people um, sort of – make that get them in sort of um, hot, particularly hot water to make it so they they're, they create a film that can't be sold or they create a film that makes it so it's going to be almost impossible for them to do another film. Yeah. I think maybe um, attaching talent uh, before you've kind of gone through the steps of talking to people, um, mm-hmm. you know, you may be so excited because you just landed some actor that you didn't expect to land, but that actor may, not have any value um or he may have had value five years ago or um you know so i think that could be a mistake um you know there's certain actors that will kind of taint your movie and give your movie um you know kind of like a a b or a c type feel mm-hmm. um and even if it's kind of a household name it mm-hmm. could it could hurt your movie mm-hmm. in the long run mm-hmm. um so I think you have to be weary of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, aligning yourself with people that are that are proven and that are delivering, I think is important. Um, casting director, the producers that you're working with, line producer, UPM, mm-hmm. um, the director obviously is very, the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Everything's script and director and then talent. Right, and then- yeah, There's no one way to make a movie, so. 
Right. I mean, I, th I think <laughs> it's a moving it's, target. It's, yeah, well, I think it's also, um, and different projects have different kinds of rules. You could probably cast anybody in Harry Potter 10. It wouldn't really matter. <laughs> People are going to go see, it's got a market, so that'll be happening, you know, because the, the underlying property has value. But um, on the other hand, if you have a, Star Trek's kind of the same way. You, you can see people you've never seen in a Star Trek movie because, because, you know, they don't have to be well known because it's a Star Trek movie, so the brand is going to carry the film. But if you're putting out a new film, you do have that problem of the star is going to be the thing that's well known because the, the property is not well known. Do you have a, do you like to see a marketing budget included in the actual film budget so that you, so that when you can be sure that when the film um, launches, like if people have like a, um, $50,000 inside their, you know, $3 million budgets that's set aside for doing an EPK and set, um, you know, which is an electronic, uh, electronic press kit, a good website and so forth. The, um, and to do marketing when the film is um, actually available, do you like to see that included in the budget or is it just immaterial to you because $50,000 just doesn't matter when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about 3 million? Yeah, I mean, I think I think any extra money is a is a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's not something that, you know, we require. Um, our money is is secured against, you know, the closed sales mm -hmm. um, and the tax credit. So, you know, we're typically out and want to be out before the movies, um, you know, before the movies distributed. Oh, when cool. it's delivered, we get out. Cool. So you, so that's so from yeah. your standpoint, if you, if it's in there, it doesn't really matter. But because you're going to be out before, you hope to be out when the rebates come in and when yes. minimum guarantees get paid out. So right. uh, given your background, when you're producing projects, if you're producing an independent film, do, do you um, include a marketing budget and a marketing strategy um, as part of it, or do you just go ahead and assume that the distributor is going to do their job when it comes to producing? Yeah, it just it just it depends on your access to capital. Um, mm -hmm. In the viability of the project, unfortunately, you know, I think the majority of independent films they don't do that because they're working so hard to get the money to make their movie, um, mm -hmm. and every penny is going toward the the actual you know working budget, not you know a year from from delivery or a year from you know um, from the production. Right, because I, I like like you, I have a sales and marketing background, and I'm always thinking I'd like to make sure the film is successful. And a lot of times, it feels like you can't be sure the distributor's gonna. You can't. No, you, you're right. You can't be sure the distributor's gonna have the film. Thinking about be in a position to do that, and the other thing is if you can gather up a market for the film before it's released, so that the first, you know, maybe it's only gonna have a week in theaters or two week in theaters if it's really lucky, or you're gonna do just like you know, you know two or three little weeks, you know, two, two, or th two or three weeks in two or three cities or some tiny little theatrical release. But if you can actually put people into that audience, it makes it so that at least you look good on Rotten Tomatoes because you're the one filling that audience as opposed to letting somebody else right. in, which right. I think is a big thing. I've seen, I've seen documentaries do that and be very successful, and, and they're usually not given credit for being very successful at all. And I think it's because what they did right was the marketing. So um, mm -hmm. let me go ahead and do a quick check and see if um, – we have some questions from people that um, uh, we should get, we should answer. Cause I know your time is tight. I can't believe you're calling in from a set. That's just like the nicest thing. Cause I, I have to believe you're very busy out there. <laughs> Actually, what film you should tell us so we can all go see it. What film are you working on? Working on a, I'm working on a family film um, right now called let there be light. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Sorbo is the director. Mm -hmm. Um 
it's a smaller movie. Um, yeah, so we're just we're actually just getting started, so it's it's a good time. Actually, there's another thing I was going to ask you about because it's something that you had mentioned to me. Um, you you actually do consult with filmmakers. So if it, it, is it possible for a filmmaker to come and um, uh, you know pay you a few thousand dollars to sort of talk to talk to you about what they plan to do and the order they plan to do things in, and you can advise them? Because I think that's another thing that people don't, they don't know how to get expert advice. And I don't know if that's something that, I think you'd mentioned that, that that's something that you might be willing to do under limited circumstances. Yeah, no, it, it is something I do. Oh, Absolutely. Great. So they would just approach you through link, they would just find you on linkedin.com and they would say, you know, and you would, they would tell you, you know, I have, X amount of budget, you know, and, I, and maybe you could help me out. They could, they could ask for the kind of advice they want. You guys can negotiate how, how the compensation would work. Right. And typically they'll give me a snapshot of where they are and what they're, what they're working on, what the package looks like. Very cool. I can't tell you to that. start the conversation. Yeah. I can't tell you that's just a lifesaver. I mean, it, it, save, it can save years of time. Um, so let's see. Do you ever actually, if somebody brings you a project and they'd like you to, to, to bring you on as UPM, is that something where they, um, they send you a query letter and they say, I'd like to bring you on as UPM and this is how much money I have to work with you um, before we have funding so that, that you can work on the day of, you or, and or your team could work on the day of days and the Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing right now um, with Kevin Sorbo and his, and his film. Um, mm -hmm. I'm down here acting as the UPM and a producer and um, overseeing production with my team. Very um, cool. Yeah. So yeah. basically I, I, I tell people they should probably plan to have 10 to $20,000 at minimum to do the, to, to do the, 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 the in hand to the very minimum they need to have in order to start building the team that they need in order to start approaching distributors and create the paperwork that they need in terms of the lim you know, the LLC and mm -hmm. the, all the other pieces, is that sort of a right, a good ballpark or do you think they'd be better? I mean, if you want, yeah, I mean, if you want to expedite things, $20,000, you know, would allow you to get your legal in order, mm -hmm. um, get your budget, your schedule, um, and, you know, potentially down payment for a casting director. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's, it really would help expedite things. Right. And, and they can, re so they can reach out to you and they can say so, and then you could, they can reach out to you and they can say, okay, this is, this is what I'd like to do. And then you can decide whether or not um, uh, you find the film, the film interesting enough to come on as UPM or whether or not you want to just sort of serve in a consulting capacity to tell them what to do next, because you can actually tell them how to find a UPM as well. Correct. Right. Cool. Right. Um, somebody wants to know if, do you have a way that you look for, do you have, do you have people, a way that you look for casting directors? Or how, like when other, if you want to bring somebody onto a pro project like a casting director, you just have people that you already know that you work with in the past, or is it the case that you have a, how could you tell people how to find a good one? You know? Well, I mean, you can look at, you can look at the type of talent you want. You can look at, um, you know, a casting director that's recently cast an actor that you want is a, mm -hmm. is an interesting way to go. Mm -hmm. um, you can, um, you know, depending on who the director is of the movie, they may have a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, the producers will have a relationship. Um, I personally, you know, work with um, a handful of different casting directors, but mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, I mean, it's a, um, from a kind of a collaborative decision of the team mm -hmm. and, we think is best suited for the movie and the type of you know level of actor we're going for mm -hmm. if that makes 
defense. So it's different every time. Typically, I have worked with some casting directors four or five times because mm-hmm. um, a lot of this is relationship based and you, you know, you get a good value or you trust someone will deliver for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's very high price casting directors and then there's casting directors that, you know, once you're in and you know them, they'll give you a good favorable deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very cool. So, and, and actually yeah. you mentioned when, when, when you fund a project and you'd like to have a completion bond, which basically means that a company that insures the project and says that no matter what I guarantee, they guarantee that there's going to be a film, even if they have to replace the director, even if they have to replace the lead, even if they, if the set burns down, if a storm comes in and it all sweeps out to sea, the completion bond will, um, will cover um, the fix. If you can't do that, then you actually under will set up a series of protocols. So is it the case that if, if one of the films that you finance gets in trouble, do you actually deploy people? Do you and or your team go out and take the steps required to get the film back on track? Right. Yeah, we have we have the right to mm-hmm. in our legal. Um, mm-hmm. We have takeover rights if things go off the rails, mm-hmm. um, you know, but making sure and having approval on who the accountant is and who, who the line producers mm-hmm. line producer is, is, is extremely important. Um, mm-hmm. and getting the best you can get, um, mm-hmm. only helps you. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, you know, outside of the bond, you know, is kind of the insurance policy, mm-hmm. um, making sure you've got a, you know, a competent veteran team that has a proven track record of delivering movies on time, on budget, Right, those so are, you, those are really you can be somebody who somebody new, but what you can do is bring on is put together a good team. So the issue is not when you said you're looking for an experienced team. It's, if if you've got a new producer, um, but they have built themselves a really good team, then you feel comfortable working with that producer because it's not just the guy at the top of the ticket that matters. It's actually the the whole team that they were smart enough to put together that you look at. Correct. Right. You can be you can be a first time producer, first time director. But I think if you surround yourself with people that are, you know, that have proven that they know what they're doing, that's only going to help expedite, you know, your path. Cool. And you you mentioned that you're a UPM. I think a lot of people don't understand the DGA. So the DGA has DGA directors who are the guys that direct the talent. But they also um, they also have UP UPMs that which are um, people who manage basically manage the entire production. So when when you're looking for a UPM, when you're looking at a project, you're expecting to see a DGA UPM, which means they've they've entered the guild and the U, and the the guild says, yes, this person is competent to produce a film up to sort of a certain amount. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I, I compare it to if the the director's the architect, the UPM's the general contractor and mm-hmm. can help execute the vision and build it um, and make sure that we have all the, you know, they have all the pieces they need to be able to build mm-hmm. their story, um, tell their story. Um, yeah. You know, if it's a DGA movie, you're required to have a UPM, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's from the director's guild as well as a first AD mm-hmm. and a second AD and, and typically a second, second AD. Mm-hmm. So that's the DGA team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people say, well, we don't want to pay the, the union rates, well, you know, you kind of get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, a UPM is a DGA term. So if someone says they're a UPM, but they're not a member of the DGA, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
a lot of times you um, independent movies would just have a line producer mm-hmm. and that line producer, um, you know, does all the work of a, of a line producer in a UPM, mm-hmm. you know, typically the line producers in the office. Um, and from my experience uh, and I have my favorite line producers that I work with, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I bounce around. So I'm in the office, you know, making sure I know what's going on in the office and, mm-hmm. and I'm on set. So I'm kind of, you know, all over the place. Um, and you know, that could be a role of, it's a role of a producer. It's just on a, on a, um, on a guild movie. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you could have a UPM and you could have three or four more producers. Are you, um, do you ever serve as a line producer for a project? So let's somebody, somebody builds, a, builds a team and they're producing a film. Like they've, they've done two and three and $4 million films. They're doing their first $11 million film, which is a lot more money to manage. Do you ever come on then as a line producer where you're supervising um, sup- supervising the UPM and the production from a financial standpoint? Is that one of the things your company does, or you do? I should say. Not, I, you know, I have I have my my line producers that I work with. I typically, mm-hmm. you know, am, am involved. Line producers aren't typically involved in casting or involved mm-hmm. in the 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 elements outside of mm-hmm. um, delivering, you know, the budget on time on, on budget. Um, so it's it's you know it's it's very difficult to define because like a, the 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 word producer, mm-hmm. um, it's used so loosely. So it's it's hard to know who does what. Mm-hmm. But um, I like to work as a UPM and a producer, and then have a line producer that is you know in the office, um, tied to the computer in the phone and, and taking meetings in their office and not, not leaving, not wandering on the set. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so much goes on. You need, you need really good people quarterbacking that mm-hmm. um, that are focused only on that. Right. Well, and I think that makes sense. I told, it totally does because the, the people don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that when you do state rebates and incentives, you actually have to track all of those costs. And it's not that you get 40, you know, if you're going to um, a state that offers 30% rebates, it's not the case that 30 30 cents of every dollar you spend is going to come to you. It's going to be limited based upon the rules of that particular program. So that's right. It's that's different right. everywhere. Right. So the, so the line producer is the one who ensures that you're getting, that you're keeping all of the documentation required so that at the end of the shoot, that's right. it's easy to actually get paid by the state. Cause you know, states that's don't always right. have to be easy to work with. They didn't necessarily. It can be, it can be very easy or it can be a nightmare. And right. we typically, we like to go the easy route and that just, that just means more organization up front. Exactly. And I think that I don't think a lot of people understand that that's the line producer sort of traditional role. And it is true. Like I know a lot of people who work on non-DGA projects, they're the line producer, but that's usually a one, a one to $2 million project at the most. It's not the case that after that, you usually don't have a DGA guy because partly because the unions are more comfortable. They like it better when the guy DGA has rules. <laughs> they, right. they train their people and everything. So um, there's an apprenticeship situation going on. So those kinds of things translate into safer sets and they also translate into more compliance with the, with the regulations when it comes to, you know, when you're going to have the stunt guy, you know, the stunt people on set, cause you actually are doing stunts and you know, yes, <laughs> it turns out we'd rather not have our actors get hurt. So um, I think that's all of the questions that we have. I'll do a quick look just to make sure that we don't have any others. And then um, I guess we should let you get back to shooting your project. Cause. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, somebody asked, how do you raise the 10, uh, 10 to $20,000 required to start, uh, to start, to basically start putting together, um, a solid project. 
Um, do you have suggestions for that? I have ones that I usually make, but do you have ones that you suggest? I mean, I think, you know, typically your first movie or second movie or, you know, you're reaching out to your inner circle and, and talking to friends and family and, and having people get behind your project um, and be the initial seed money, seed investment. Correct. You can offer them, you know, some type of return on their money mm -hmm. um, when, when the film is delivered and you start recouping. Mm -hmm. um, you could tell them they'll be party to the, the collection account we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. which may give them comfort. Mm -hmm. um, you could give them a point on the back end. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of times, a whole other conversation, but structuring a, a movie, um, you know, you could, you could offer them, you know, a return on their money and then give them maybe some ownership of the movie. Basically, turn them into an equity investor, which is a dangerous... Your first equity investor. Right, but you know. you, which, of course, requir requires that, you know, you know which regulation D... That's why you want to get, you want to you use that money and mm -hmm. get a good production attorney. Um, and that's something... And not that, overpay for that production attorney. Right, and then when people are consulting with you, that's something that, that if they were yes. to describe their project, you can say, okay, so you need a production attorney, and he's already got the document set up. To, so that you, right. so you, because film investing is not like every other kind of business in the world. It has its own peculiarities. And so it's LLCs for that. I mean, like the section 181, like people, there's weird tax things with, with films as well. It absolutely. Absolutely. You know, cool. Well, and, you know, go ahead. yep. I was going to say social media too, you know, the Kickstarter and Indie, Indiegogo things. Mm -hmm. those, those are interesting campaigns to get friends and family behind it. I think that's totally true. The only thing I would say is that um, I went to a Producers Guild um, conference recently and um, I ended up doing a whole bunch of, um, meeting a whole bunch of producers and um, distributors. And one of the things that the, the distributor said is, here's the thing you have to understand, you can promise anything you want to Indiegogo or whatever and you get the money, but you are not under any circumstances going to give anyone a DVD of anything and then expect me to buy it. That's not going to happen. So you, you have to be careful. No, you can't give the movie away. Yeah, you can't, you can't give, give the movie away. Right. But people think that they do that. It's a routine thing. It's when the movie's finished, I'll give you a copy of it. You can't do that because you won't be able to distribute the film after that. Yeah, I mean, it hurts. That's right. That's right. Right. You will, I mean, actually, I mentioned in passing, you, 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 if you go to distributor.com, D-I-S-T-R-I-B-B-E-R, -B -B -E you actually can because you're basically distributing your own film, which you own all of the rights to through Amazon and iTunes and onto cable pay-per-view, but then you're becoming a distributor, which is okay, but it's just going to limit how much you earn because it turns out you're probably not very good at being a distributor. And it, you could probably also sell the rights to that through um, rightstrade.com. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like a, rightstrade is a platform that has buyers in 180 markets and sales agents are actually using it. Sales agents um, are actually using it to reach buyers in countries all over the world. But in, again, you're becoming a distributor in that situation. And that's not something that's going to make it easy. Somebody who has that in, has raised their $20,000 and then comes to you the, to, to, pack, to create their film, you're basically going to look at them and go, you know when you said you were going to give them a copy of the film? You're going to do that in like the year 2050. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, that's when they get a copy of the film. <laughs> so just so you know, you should send them posters. <laughs> posters are good. Posters are fine. Signed posters even. So cool. Um, thank you very much for taking the time um, to meet with me. Do you want to um, let people know how they can reach out to you? I, I, I've been, I reached out to you initially through LinkedIn. Do you have a way that people, can they contact you through 
through your website or how do you want them to? Yeah, my, I think, you know, a really good way is probably by email. It's Warren at producer capital fund.com. Cool. Very cool. And I'll, um, I'll, uh, with your permission, I'll go ahead. I'm going to be taking the, um, I recorded this and with your permission, I'll go ahead and I'll edit it up and I'll, um, uh, send it over to you to approve and I'll go ahead and include that contact information, um, in the video so that people will be able to reach out to you going forward and I'll make sure that people understand. And I think they will, that, um, they shouldn't come to you and say, please help me make my movie for free. That you're, when you come on board as a consultant, you're coming on board as a consultant, which is a person who gets paid and makes it possible for people to get something that would otherwise take a long time. <laughs> a lot faster. Right. <laughs> cool. Right. Excellent. Well, I, I thank you, Nancy. I appreciate it. Hopefully I was, um, offered some helpful advice. You were wonderful. Thank you so much. I think a lot of, I, I think I've never heard a clearer presentation of how people work with somebody that's doing um, uh, monetizing, um, monetizing rebates, incentives, and um, minimum guarantees, or a better explanation of um, the development process that makes it possible to work with a company like that efficiently. So you were amazing. Clear, clear in an unclear business. Yeah, you know, concept, right? it's a trackless waste. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Great. Well, have a great evening. You too. Thanks, man. I hope you have a great, ha enjoy your show. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Goodbye, everybody. And I hope you had an, an excellent evening. If you have questions, remember, you can send them to nancy.fulton at yahoo.com. And do, when you get a chance, check out Nancy Fulton videos. Um, because that's we've had several similar conversations like this one, and you'll find other you'll find them listed up there. Not everyone gives exactly the same advice, and it's good to hear sort of multiple people talk because it may give you options that you don't know you have. At any rate, thank you very much. I very much enjoyed um, I very much enjoyed doing these events, and I love it. I love hearing from people when they've made progress from their project or when they run into trouble. So anyway, thank you. <laughs>